Now, we do that from time to time, and, and as I say, that's the first time I've known the person. Uh, one of the things that somebody, and I think it's a good question, sometimes people say to me, well, how do you know that they're, particularly if you're picking somebody you don't know, how, how do you know that they're deserving? In fact, sometimes we get asked about the feed ministry, how do you know those people really need it? You know, it's a good question, but the, to be honest with you, it's not one that I lose sleep over. Why? Because God so loved the world, the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, God wasn't saying, oh, I don't know, are they really deserving? Should I send my son, my precious, I've only got one son, should I send my son to die for their, their sins so that they might have life? Are they really deserving? The truth of the matter is that none of us are deserving. No matter how highly you regard that friend, that neighbor, that colleague at work, that relative, your pastors, rich, whoever, the truth of the matter is that none of us are deserving of the gift of the Son of God. And so God didn't hold back. He gave his very best that we might have life. So it's not one that I sweat over. You know, is the person deserving or not? Because God, thank God, didn't sweat over me about whether I was deserving. It's a spiritual principle. I'm not saying be foolish with money, quite the opposite. But we do under, under, need to understand that the way God deals with money is very different to the way we deal with money. So let's do a little bit of teaching here. This series that we're teaching is called First. Putting God First. And uh, over the last uh, few weeks, uh, two weeks actually, uh, two weeks ago, I spoke about reasons for giving. There are good, godly, biblical reasons why we should give. Secondly, last week, Dennis spoke on the benefits of giving. And if you missed either of those, you know, I thoroughly recommend them to you. Either listen on the podcast or the videocast. This week, I want to talk about how do we give? How do we give? But this, this first commandment, uh, this putting God first, really comes from something that Jesus himself said. Let's just look at the text there. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. If you've got it, it'll come up on the screen. In fact, I'll read it off the screen. Jesus is asked by the teachers, the religious authorities of the day, it's a bit of a, it's a test. I wouldn't say it's a trick, but it's a test. Jesus is asked, what is the greatest of the Ten Commandments? Which one is best? And Jesus says this, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first, first. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There is an ascending or descending order there, I should say. God, love God first. Love your neighbor, love, love yourself. Self, one's person, is in the mix. God, neighbor, self. The greatest commandment. Putting God first. Putting God first. And where there is real resistance, where we in the West, and it's probably true of other cultures too, where we really have a, an issue and where we really stick is in the gift of money, in the way we use our money. It's something that is intensely personal. In fact, Jesus, as I've said many times before, personalizes money. He calls it mammon. It's an alternative idol, a god. 
But it's also something that's very powerful. Money is a distillation of power. It is, it's something where money is, it, 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 where power is, is centralized. It enables us to feed our family, to clothe our children, to, to put a roof over our head. It enables us to, to, to ex- exercise choices. Not everybody has that luxury, of course, but, but there's a choice element. It, it's something that seems to catch our imagination. So we struggle with money. Last week I was at King's Community Church, and I know David Rigby, the, the pastor there, won't, won't uh, mind me saying this, but I was speaking about God's blessing, and I was doing a bit of teaching about integrity. I did a series a few weeks ago about integrity, and many of you were, were encouraging about that, so I took a little bit of that. And I also spoke about money, because as I am finding that the church wants to go, na, 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 when it comes to money. Now, we had a wonderful morning. It was really exciting. It was really up. The moment I started speaking about money, it was like, so much so that I said to the congregation, I said, do you notice what's just happened over the last couple of minutes? It's not happening here. But you know what's happened over the last couple of minutes? And I said, it's all gone very quiet, and I'm not getting much eye contact. Money is an alternative idol God that demands our attention. And we're saying we want to put God first. We're wanting to break that spirit of the age, spirit of poverty, various names and been attributed to it. We want to break that so that we can begin to walk free of that. Walk free of that kind of, that pressure, that power and all the rest of it. So I want to ask this week, how do we give? Reasons for giving, Benefits of giving last week. How do we give? Well, let's start with a very practical thing. How do we give? Actually, you can give in the offering, but the best way of giving is by going onto our website. And uh, if you go on the website, uh, if you go onto the home page and then into Beyond, see the sort of fifth little blue thing, and down there, there's a whole giving page. You can set up a standing order. You can give direct. You can do all sorts of things. In fact, to be honest with you, my favorite little device these days is the app that, that Rich keeps mentioning. If you've got a smartphone, there's a Vineyard app that you can download for free. You can go straight to giving there. You can set up a standing order on that. You can do these, these are just modern and electronic and convenient ways of giving. We love standing orders. Why? Because it helps us budget. We can reasonably expect a certain amount to come in every month, every year, and it helps us to budget. So we love that. But actually, this talk is not about the mechanics of giving. How do we give? You know, that hopefully, if you're wondering and asking the question, you know, that, that, that might give you something to look at and think about and pray over. But actually, I want to talk about three distinct ways in the Bible, and they are distinct. Three distinct ways of giving in the Bible. The first one, a rather old-fashioned word, is alms. A-L-M-S, alms. We don't use this word now, but for many, many years, centuries indeed, alms, giving alms, was, was something that was very much part of the vernacular. I'm not quite sure what the root is of that. That'd be interesting to know. It's probably some old Anglo-Saxon word or something. Arms, giving help maybe, I don't know. But in St. Albans, we have uh, the St. Peter's, the Peter Gate, I think they're called, almshouses, 
where the poor in the city, poor widows usually, were given by the church, by the parish, a lovely little cottage. There's a beautiful little row of them just opposite the St. Peter's Church up there. It was very much part of the culture. Giving alms is, is really what we've just done. Now, there is a, an important little thing to say in just a moment, but when you, when you give spontaneously, when faced with a need, that, you know, this sort of charitable, spontaneous giving, that's giving alms. Some commentators have called it the highest form of giving. I'm personally not convinced that it is, but that's just some comment. Uh, but, but when you see a need, just as we did there, and, and gosh, I'm sure Tracy will, will be thrilled with whatever she, she counts up in that basket. But you know, when we see a need and we meet in that way, there is something that is free. Not only do you bless the recipient, but it breaks something in you. It, it, it feels good, it releases endorphins in us. We feel good about that. It's a two-way benefit. And so the scripture talks about giving alms. Now Jesus does say this, I just say there was one little thing he said about giving alms. He said, you know, do it in secret. Don't, don't do it sort of publicly and in show like that. But this is family, as Tracy said. And my kids were never sort of secretive about asking me for money. Anybody <laughs> have the same problem with your kids? They're always lining up, you know. <laughs> Dad, Dad's giving out money! <laughs> brum, 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 brum. <laughs> in family, it's different. But there is something about giving alms. You shouldn't make a show about it. And in Jesus' day, the culture was such that you made great, grandiose gestures. And the fact of the matter is that Jesus says, don't do it like that. Do it in secret. And what he says about it is, is, as you do that, you will store up treasure in heaven. It's the only way you can send stuff on for the life ahead, really. You know, if you're, if you're reasonably good with your money, you might have things like ISAs and building society accounts and... Whatever, you know, you can't take that with you. But actually, when you give alms in secret, you're actually sending money ahead or sending, it says, let your treasure be in heaven. You store up treasure in heaven. That's an interesting little thought worthy of a series at some point. So first of all, there's this giving of alms, this spontaneous giving. It's giving a few coins to, to the, you know, the, 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 the tin rattler on the street. It, it, it's helping out. You see something on the television and the poor situation, all up. you're moved, you, 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 know, you send it out on your... Credit card or debit card or what have you. I know sometimes people say to me, you shouldn't talk about credit cards, Chris. People get into a lot of trouble. Yes, I know that. But actually also a lot of people use credit cards very responsibly. So, you know, there you have, it pays your money, it takes your choice. But alms is one thing and there is a whole Christian tradition of giving alms. The queen on Maundy Thursday, you may know this, goes down a line of of impoverished people, usually very well dressed with sort of pink hats on, in Westminster Cathedral, and she gives out little uh, purses of Maundy money. It's a special money that's minted. And uh, she gives the number of, uh, uh, a number of, the, the number of purses are in the same relation to the number of years that she has. So that line's getting pretty long now. 
But this is part of Christian tradition, the giving of alms. It's got a long history, a very honorable history. Jesus says, do it in secret, lay up treasure for yourselves in heaven. The next thing I want to talk about, just to be absolutely clear in this, because Christians do confuse this. They say, well, I gave, you know, did that, so I've done it, and I'm done, I'm done with it. These are distinct and different. The second one is offerings, offerings, alms, Offerings. The scripture talks about offerings. I'm not talking about the tithe. We'll come about that to the minute, in just a minute. But offerings are something separate. In uh, Malachi 3.8, where the Lord speaks very harshly to the people of God, he says, you know, you're robbing me. And the people say, how are you robbing me? He says, in the, in the matter of tithes and offerings. Not tithes or offerings. Tithes and offerings. Now, offerings are giving to some special project, some special thing. You know where this is going, don't you? But seriously, offerings is, is when, when they built the temple, or they built the tabernacle even, in the desert. The people of God were encouraged to, to bring their gold and their silver so that they could melt it down to make uh, t utensils for the tabernacle in the desert. Then, of course, there was uh, Solomon's temple, and uh, David started, his father, he wasn't allowed to build the temple, but he started acquiring the goods. And, and people brought offerings. It was over and above arms. It was different to the tithe. They brought things in order to build the kingdom. Now, as you know, Richard has already mentioned it, we have, uh, for the last year or so, been running the Growing Family Campaign. We have seen an extraordinary outpouring of generosity and sacrificial giving from you guys. This time last year, we launched the Growing Family Campaign, and we raised three quarters of a million pounds, and there wasn't a single cupcake sold to raise that money. Thank you, yeah. Bless you. Because we tend not, we won't say exclusively not, but we tend not to do fundraisers. Phyllis and I in our Markgate village last yesterday, we went to a, a plant sale where lots of very worthy, lovely people were working very hard to, to raise money for a hospice. Uh, and these people, you know, great energy, great, uh, the scouts were there, the mayor showed up, the, the MP so, showed up. Uh, and, and there were all these plants for sale, and they were about 70 pence and one pound 40 in this country. I, I really don't know how much money they will have raised from that. It seemed not a lot for a lot, a lot, a lot of effort. So, so we're not really talking about fundraising. In fact, the Bible doesn't talk about fundraising as such. What it does talk about is sacrificial giving, where it costs us. It says, actually, I, I'm not sure where this reference is. It's just slipped my mind. But um, I can't remember where it is. Never mind. Somebody will tell me later, no doubt. But where a biblical character says, Woe unto me if I make an offering to the Lord that has not cost me a penny. I think he is offered something to sacrifice. And he says, Woe unto me if I make an offering unto the Lord that has not cost me. There's a biblical principle. What the Bible talks about is sacrificial giving. So phase two, we're calling it. You know, that three-quarters of a million last year, with the help and support of our bank, enabled us to buy the building next door. And if you've been inside, it's absolutely huge. It's wonderful. And we're, next week, going to be doing the grand launch of this year's campaign, phase two. Basically, that's to sort of transform the interior of what is an empty shell into an extended 
uh, facility here. And the main feature of that is that we are going to, we're getting really serious, really intentional about ministering to those in our community who are struggling financially or for, for, for counsel, for advice. We're going to have a kind of a signposting thing. I'm not going to do the thing now, I'll do it next week. But we are going to turn that place into a place which, this, which will act as a magnet for this community to come together and take care of those who are less fortunate. We not, may not be able to build almshouses for half a dozen little old ladies, but currently we're fe- feeding 60, 70 families a week, and we want to do better than that. We want, to, we want the Church of Jesus Christ to be at the actual forefront of that, a real trendsetter. So next week, we will launch that. That's going to be an offering. It's not the arms. It's not the tithe. It's an offering. The third thing, then, the third thing, arms, offerings, is tithes. Tithes. Now, there's a lot of kind of confusion about this. I have to say that when I first started, you know, Felicity and I first came to the Lord, and we started get, trying to get our lives together, my budgeting on a month, and to be honest with you, I don't think I'd really budgeted before I became a Christian. I didn't really need to. I was, we were doing quite well. But uh, my budgeting, well, it looked a little bit like this. Hannah, let's just run this little video clip. Thank you. Does your monthly budgeting look a little bit like that? That's how we started. It really was. But we found this, that actually when you honor God, he begins to honor you. I think I asked this question of the church last week, not this church, but, but how many of you believe that God can make 90% of your income go further than 100% of your income? Do you understand the question I'm making? Somebody put a hand up there. So you know, if we're exercising faith, if we trust God, if we believe that God is good and is for us and stands beside us and has our well-being at heart, do we believe that if we give him 10%, that we can manage on the 90% and indeed that he will bless us? That's the question. Just try that again. Show me your hands again. Do more of you, yeah, actually, oh, that's great. There's faith growing in the crowd. You see, really, when we start thinking about it, God is saying if, we're, if we love him with all our heart and our mind, we put God first. It works like this. We give God 10% of our income, up first. That's why I put it on standing order. I forget about it. It just happens. I don't get, have to get emotional. Emotional. I don't have to be stirred by a, by a need. I don't have to hear an envisioning talk. It's just part of what I do. I believe this is the highest form of giving, not the alms, because it's sacrificial. It affects, it actually does affect my income. But the reality is it works like this. We give God 10%. So it's one for God, and then one for me, 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 one for me. And then one for God. And then one for me, and 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 one sounds pretty good to me. And it is pretty good. Because it seems to me that Fliss and I, since we started tithing years and years ago, have prospered. Our 90% seems to go further than people who have 100%. 90% and a little bit of faith in God seems to go a remarkable way. And actually, that's what the scripture says. Malachi 3.8, I quoted it, I'm not going to read it, it's a scorching passage, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. But God then says, and it's the only actually time he says, he says, test me in this and see if I don't open up the heavens for you. 
and shower you with so much blessing, you don't know what to do with it. You know, this whole business of, of, of the tithe, the first fruits, as it's sometimes called in, in, in biblical times, was, of course, actually even more painful than it is for us. The first fruits literally were the first fruits. And in an agricultural society, you know, you go through some lean times as you head up towards the harvest. You know, you're beginning to scrape the barrel, and mum's looking in that grain bowl and thinking, oh, there's not a lot there. I'm going to have to eke this out. And all the, the fruit is dried fruit, and, you know, the, it's getting a little bit sort of dry in the mouth, and it's, it's, you're, you're longing for the harvest. And then finally, it's harvest time. And what happens? Just as you think, suddenly the first 10% goes off to God, and yet they did that. They gave the first fruits to God. Not part of it. Just give us a moment here, God. We'll just get our act together. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, actually, that's God's bit. Take that over to the temple. They gave him the first fruits. It's an act of worship. It truthfully is an act of worship. Does this worry you? Well, it worried me. If it doesn't worry you, it's, yeah, I think it's something slightly strange. It should worry you. But Jesus actually says to us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33. Thank you, Hannah. If we can throw that up. Honor the Lord with, I beg your pardon, Matthew chapter 6, 31, verse 33. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first, first, first. It's that word again. First, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. That's not the pastor or the preacher or this strange bloke in a check shirt beating you up this morning. That is God himself saying that he will bless us. All these things will be given to you as well. And finally, as I sum this talk up, what we're trying to do is, and I began the three weeks saying that this church is a church that, that I know has good intentions. We want to do well. I very rarely, very, very rarely have somebody who comes and, and, and kind of lays one on me about, you know, we shouldn't do this or we should do that or the other. This church is full of good intentions. I, I, in fact, if I was to ask you to put your hand up, if you're not full of good intentions, I don't think I'd get a hand in the room. We're, good in, we're full of good intentions. We want to grow up. We want to mature in Christ. We want to begin to put God first. So good intentions start being worked out in generosity. We need to, moments like that where we bless Tracy to, to kind of free us up and take, not take ourselves so seriously and to get a bit light on this, you know, not to hold too tightly to this thing we call money so that we can be a generous people, that our disposition, our default becomes generous. But that's not the end of the journey because beyond that, there's sacrificial giving. There's something that becomes a very warp and weft of our being. And as we move into that place, so we begin to know God blessing us in, in extraordinary ways. Extraordinary ways. Last thing, another little promise. Ties, offering arms, Luke chapter 6, 38 says this, and this I think has become a life for us. When we didn't know the Bible at all, when we barely knew God, where we were faced with giving up our business, selling our lovely home in the country, etc., etc., and moving into the church, into inner city leaves, when we were a bit sort of, oh my gosh, have we gone crazy? Are we madmen? Is our family right? As you recall, when we first did that, some of you will know that my father-in-law cut us out of the will. He was so appalled at the decisions that we were making in terms of this thing we call 
sacrificial giving. He was so appalled. But at that time, God gave us this, and it's become something of a little life verse, and we have proved God faithful time and time again. Luke chapter 6, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, not shortchanged, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Be generous. God loves a cheerful giver. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening so attentively. Last week, or two weeks ago, I don't think the lady's here, but at the end of the sermon, I came down the stairs and a lady sailed up to me and she ripped into me. It was actually the second service. She said, I've heard you speak about money before. (laughs) I think I touched a nerve. But seriously, if you know your Bibles, you will know that Jesus' first and most magnificent possession was the kingdom of God. And his second was wealth, prosperity, and money. He preached and taught on it time and time and time again because it threatens to undermine our faith. This is a key and crucial teaching. God bless you. Let's have the band up. Let's all stand, shall we? During this um, last song, we will take up the offering. You can put your tithe in it. Don't put an arm in it. You should have already done that. Let's pray. Father, uh, we give you permission, Lord, because we're serious about our faith and our serious about wanting to live a life that is honoring to you. Being a people in this city, this region, indeed this nation, that, that actually models a kingdom lifestyle. We're serious about that. But each of us has our own besetting sins. Each of us has our own issues that we have to get over. Uh, You know mine, Lord. But corporately, we need to get on top of money. We have to master money, otherwise it will master us. And that's true of rich and poor. There's the wealthy man in his castle, to use a little picture language, who is fearful of having his goods taken. There's the beggar in the street who's fearful because they don't know whether they will have a meal at the end of the day. Whatever our situation or circumstance, we need to get the better of money. Otherwise, it'll get the better of us. So help us, Lord God, and help us to honor you in our arms, in our offerings when we come to phase two and other other phases, and indeed in our tithes. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Sam. We'll take up our offering. If you're on the end of a row, if you wouldn't mind just peering over the end, and if there's a basket, please would you just pass that along? Same thing up on the balcony. Thank you very much.